As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. This is California, the third largest US state, home to just under 40 million people and some of the most influential industries in the world. California alone is the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world, beating out every other country in the world apart from China, Japan, potentially Germany, and of course the USA itself. Measuring the exact output of the state is always up for a little bit of debate, because the regular international organisations like the IMF or the World Bank that usually document national output figures don't do it for California, because, well, California is not a country. Even still, by the most conservative estimates, the Golden State has an output of over 3.5 trillion US dollars, which means on a per capita basis, the average Californian has an output of almost $100,000, making them amongst the most economically productive people on the planet only really falling behind true outliers like Monaco, Liechtenstein and Luxembourg. These other countries, despite being independent countries of their own, are still far smaller economies with far smaller populations, and a good part of their reported economic success is simply due to nuances of how economic figures like GDP per capita are calculated. On top of its sheer scale, California is also doing something that a lot of large and highly advanced economies fail to do. It's growing and it's on average growing at a faster rate than the rest of the United States, which itself is doing quite well by global advanced economy standards. But of course, California is not without its issues or its challenges. The industries that have made the state what it is today may be starting to get as big as they possibly can, all while facing more pressures from around the world in a range of different ways. In recent years, California's population has been declining for the first time in its history, with record numbers leaving for states like Texas, Nevada, Idaho and Oregon, citing overregulation, the highest personal income taxes in the country, rising housing costs and some pretty overt social problems. That could be bad, not only for a state simultaneously dealing with a lot of internal issues, but the rest of the US as well, and to understand why, we need to as always answer a few simple questions. What is it that makes the economy of California so special on a state, national and global level? Has the state just been lucky or is there a method behind the Californian madness? And finally, will its long list of current challenges see it lose out to other rivals within and outside of the USA? Once we have done all that, we can update California's spot on the Economics Explained National Leaderboard. When exploring a complex economic issue like what made California so economically prosperous, it's nice when there's one simple underlying reason and everything else is built on top of it, like fantastic geography, a clever economic policy, or even just natural resource discoveries. Having one simple takeaway normally makes for a memorable lesson and an enjoyable video to watch. So you have to trust us when we say that unfortunately there's no silver bullet that got California to where it is today, just a series of lucky breaks that the state has capitalised on well throughout its history. That also means that Californian economic dominance is not guaranteed, and unlike a sovereign national economy, there are certain advantages but also some serious risks that California faces purely because it's part of a union that is the United States. The state as we know it today really got started before it was officially a state when widespread gold deposits were discovered around what would go on to be San Francisco, San Jose and Sacramento. Before this time, the area was sparsely populated because there was nothing driving settlers from the more abundant plains of the Midwest or the industry and civilization of the East Coast. The area had also only just been acquired by the United States as a territory a year prior, but once gold was discovered, there was a reason for people to make something of the place. 
In its most basic form, this is the concept of comparative advantage in economic output. When considering the factors of production, land, labour and capital, the region that would go on to be California basically sucked in every metric. Its land was not much better than the abundant land that was available closer to the east coast, and its total labour pool was measured in the tens of thousands. There was little capital to make any of this better, like railways or factories, because there was no reason to invest out there when there was so much space available everywhere else. A situation that is particularly ironic given the state's problems these days. This means that everywhere else had a comparative advantage over the region in the production of everything. But that changed when gold made the land of California incredibly lucrative, giving it a comparative advantage in the production of precious metal. As soon as there was a reason for the economy to exist, it quickly developed around this industry. Within two years the population more than doubled and people were moving not only to dig for gold but also to build businesses to support the people that were digging for gold. The development of the region's economy was so rapid that just two years after being acquired by the US, California was able to successfully apply for statehood and receive the representation that came with that on a federal level. Now, resource-rich economies eventually face major problems if they become overly dependent on just that one industry. For a long time, California ran the risk of losing its gold and then losing all of the businesses that had sprung up to support it. Now obviously gold mining in California is today basically completely inconsequential compared to its other world leading industries. So we know that it was able to successfully transition its economy away from resources, but that was far from guaranteed. Today a lot of countries and even other regions within the US are struggling to transition away from resource economies, and the California lesson can teach us a lot about how to successfully make that switch. But it's also important to recognise that it had a few advantages that a lot of resource rich economies today don't. One of the biggest things that it had going for it was just how hard it was to get to and get back from. Before air travel or even railroads, the options for getting to California were horse-drawn wagons along sparsely populated land routes, or going the entire way around South America through some of the most perilous oceans in the world in a ship from the 1800s. Basically, once people had moved to California they were pretty committed to making it work. Fortunately the region is also very arable, so farming quickly became self-sustaining and as transport infrastructure developed it became possible for the state to trade more actively with the rest of the country. It must be remembered that really before the mid 1950s, global trade and even trade between regions within physically large countries like the USA was far less intense than it is today. As soon as food production was sorted and local industries sprung up to support the existing population, there was little pressure to be globally competitive because it was just easier to make basic consumer goods of the day locally than it was to transport them on small ships or early rail networks. Fortunately however, that did not mean that the state became complacent. From its resource boom the state made heavy investments into education, pioneering universal higher studies and founding universities like Berkeley and the University of California. It was a wise investment at the time, but the policymakers probably had no idea just how much of an impact it would have on the state a century down the track. The isolation from the rest of the economy also had some advantages. Motion pictures using new technologies invented on the east coast were becoming a big deal, and California became a popular destination to produce these movies as they would go on to be known. The location was no accident either. It was easy to transport films once they had been made, but early studios could use film cameras without paying licensing fees to the companies that produced them on the east coast because it was unlikely for inspectors to travel so far. This almost quaint industry of course went on to build Hollywood, today one of the most economically valuable industries in the world. In the aftermath of the second world war the technology to create films had advanced significantly. And given that Europe had been bombed to rubble, it was really only Hollywood that could produce high quality movies for the entire world. Movies were easy to transport and basically cost nothing to replicate once the film itself had been shot. 
Today, we take value-adding products like this for granted, but back then, making something that cost the producer the same amount of money to sell something as many times as they wanted was an extremely big deal, and California had become the de facto home of this new economic innovation. Beyond just providing the growing economy with the ultimate export, it gave it something arguably even more important. Influence. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today, 50 of the top 50 highest grossing films of all time were produced in Hollywood. There have been the occasional hits from other countries, but nothing really comes close to matching the entertainment industry in California. This creates jobs for millions of people that on average pay quite well by US standards and extremely well by global standards. It also makes especially English-speaking countries quite in tune with American norms and customs. Now, from the perspective of a rational economist that only concerns themselves with quantifiable data points, that may not seem like a huge deal, but it's a major piece of the puzzle as to why the US, and in particular California, are as successful as they are today. The US is a magnet for investment and skilled workers. If people around the world are moving somewhere to start a better life, it's normally the USA. The average US worker is significantly more productive than the average worker from other economies because US companies invest more into making them make more stuff. The reason they can make those investments is because money pours into the USA from around the world because people want to invest in their industries. I personally, as an Australian, feel a sense of familiarity with the US market despite not having been to the country in over a decade. If I was to move somewhere else to try and get a real job as an economist, it would probably be the USA, and California with its high paying job opportunities would be a logical destination. Skilled migrants that on average make above average contributions to economic output move to California more than any other state in the US, which creates a chicken and egg. Skilled people move to California because there are world leading industries there, and world leading industries can operate in California because that's where all the skilled people are. The same goes for making investments, and the entertainment industry centred in California is a big driver of this global recognition. Now these days, an industry that's arguably even more influential in entertainment is tech. And no country even comes close to the USA, and by extension, California. The universities that the freshly founded state of California funded in the 1800s just so happened to attract researchers working on thinking machines and semiconductors in the early 1960s. In economics, there is a principle called agglomeration, which means all other things being equal, industries run more efficiently when institutions that make that industry operate are located close together. Early technology companies were built by students from Berkeley in particular. As people were figuring out what these new machines could do, it became easier to find experts and suppliers and investors and also customers by being centred around the region that was becoming known for this technology. Technology is a multi-trillion dollar industry and some of the most valuable companies in the world have been created in Silicon Valley. 
Apple alone is, as of the time of making this video, worth more than every public company listed in Australia combined. These companies have achieved the success because, like the entertainment industry that was built before it, they create value from practically nothing. Even Apple, it does still deal primarily in physical products with material costs, adds a significant markup to the raw material something like an iPhone is made out of. Better still, the company outsources the entirety of the manufacturing supply chain to other countries, so the economy of California is only left with the highest paying jobs that come from this industry as a whole. If the entertainment and tech industries weren't already enough by themselves, California has also taken this highly value-adding approach to other, more traditional industries as well. California still has a major agricultural sector, but they have a focus on high-value crops. In particular their wineries are world famous, and the vineyards that produce a $50 bottle of wine are adding a lot more value within their business than a farmer who grows commodity crops like corn. If nothing else, the Californian economy shows that economic success is rarely, if ever, attributed to just one lucky break. The state would not be the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world today if it didn't capitalise on multiple gold rushes, not just one. But it also isn't without some serious problems. California by many accounts is a state in decline. Its population is shrinking, the companies that have made it so successful in recent decades are expanding beyond its borders or simply moving out, and the industries themselves are starting to struggle as there's not much room left to grow after they've effectively dominated the global market. In many ways, California today has the same problems that it had 170 years ago, and the same thing that many other countries around the world have as well. Dutch disease. Now Dutch disease is normally associated with resource-rich economies. California does have that, but as we explored earlier it's only a minor component of its economy today. But that doesn't mean that it can't have the same problems. There is nothing inherently wrong with having a lot of natural resources. Of course, all other things being equal, it can be a great benefit to the economy. But it does come with some serious side effects which need to be carefully managed. Or else, the economy can end up worse off than it started, as is the case with dozens of resource-rich economies around the world today. The first side effect is an overdependence on natural resources, which means economic ups and downs become determined by commodity prices, which are inherently unstable, so they make the economy unstable as well. The second side effect is crowding out of other industries for investment and labour. When one industry is bringing in practically unlimited revenue, investors are going to want to put their money into that industry, neglecting any promising businesses in other industries. Workers are also going to seek out high paying jobs in that industry, often forcing other businesses to raise wages to compete or reduce their output due to lack of staffing. Highly compensated workers also have more purchasing power, which when combined with constrained supply pushes prices up beyond the reach of people that are not working in the natural resource sector. Both of these forces in turn make the economy even more dependent on the one industry bringing in revenue, which again creates a very unstable economy. Now this is most commonly a problem with natural resources, but there's no reason that it's exclusively a problem with natural resources. The tech and entertainment industries in California represent a significant portion of the state's economy and have caused exactly the same set of problems. Cost of living is high and people working regular jobs can't afford to live there anymore, which reduces the supply of regular goods and services, further harming cost of living. The big difference today is that people are not stuck in California anymore. Moving is cheap and easy and since a lot of people working in these industries came from out of state or out of the country, they're no stranger to moving where there are better opportunities. And unlike a sovereign nation, there are fewer restrictions to moving elsewhere within the US as well. The economically advised best course of action for a country dealing with Dutch disease is to ensure that the whole economy benefits from the export industry through taxes that are then used to support the whole country. The problem for California is that it's not a country. And unlike natural resources, tech companies don't need to operate in an area where they dig stuff out of the ground. 
Major employers have already shown that people can work from home, or in extreme cases the entire operation can be moved to states with looser business restrictions and fewer taxes. Now, nobody can predict the future, least of all economists. But California is almost certainly not going anywhere anytime soon. But today, more than ever, it's facing international and domestic challenges and it needs to present a compelling reason to maintain its industries. For a long time, the assumption that California was just the place that people went to develop tech and produce entertainment was good enough. But it probably won't be forever. Okay, now it's time to put California on the Economics Explained National Leaderboard. Which we have done before, but that was over two years ago and a lot has changed since then. Starting as always with size, California has an estimated GDP of 3.4 to 3.6 trillion dollars, making it comparable with the fourth or fifth largest national economy in the world if it was to be counted as its own country. Of course, it's not, so these figures are less accurate than regular World Bank figures because things like imports and exports, which are major components of economic output, are harder to measure over state borders where, unlike international borders, almost no records are kept of what is coming or going. Even still, the state gets a 9 out of 10. Taking those GDP estimates and spreading it out over California's population of 39.2 million people means that the state has a GDP per capita of just under $90,000, which puts it in line with countries like Norway and Switzerland. So it gets a 9 out of 10, only really falling behind the true outliers with six-figure GDPs. Stability and confidence is both helped and hurt by being part of the largest and most influential economy in the world. Help because it uses the global reserve currency, it has a huge domestic market for its products, and it has the protection of the US federal government if it finds itself in trouble. But it's also hurt because it has to compete for talent, investment and spending with other states that have some unfair advantages like Texas with its lower taxes subsidised by natural resources. Its focus on a few huge industries has caused social issues and they may cause economic issues long term as well, but for now the state gets an 8 out of 10. Growth has been strong and consistent, only shrinking after the 2008 financial crisis and the global lockdowns of 2020. It's also maintained a growth rate above the US average, which itself has outpaced most advanced economies. California gets an 8 out of 10. Finally, industry. There isn't much to say here. California is home to more world leading companies than every other country on earth apart from the United States itself. Not only are the companies massive, they are also in highly technical industries that don't rely on extracting value from limited resources. California gets an easy 10 out of 10. Altogether, that gives California an average score of 8.8 .8 out of 10, a marked improvement from two years ago considering it had a great score back then too. If you like this video, you'll like the one that we did recently on areas inside the US that are shrinking even faster than California. You should be able to click to that on your screen now. Thanks for watching mate. Bye. The world is constantly changing and transforming. Cut through some of the noise with What's New with Wired, a podcast that goes in-depth on the latest news and technology and culture. Their award-winning journalism will help you make sense of what's happening in the world. Listen to What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. That's What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts.